Yeah, so, so a few weeks ago, um, maybe it was a few months ago, when we were busy planning um, the, the evening services, um, Bevan suggested, you know, that maybe it would be a good time, you know, for us looking at a number of the sermon series and things that we have been doing, you know, to maybe do what we might call a character study, you know, take a look at um, certain individuals in the Bible, um, because, you know, as we, as, we, as we read them, as we study them, um, there's often some, some interesting and some challenging aspects um, that we can learn with, with regard to them. Um, and, you know, so I was contemplating doing this maybe in a number of ways, um, you know, because I've been thinking again about this character, um, this story, you know, and sometimes I embarked on what you call first-person narrative approach, you know, in which you kind of play the part of this person. But since, you know, that didn't bring any particular Oscars or any such awards for me, I thought, okay, let, 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 let's just do it in a different way. Let's reflect on the life of this person um, and see, you know, what lessons we can, we, 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 we can learn um, from this character, which I'm sure this, this picture kind of gives it away. Um, but, you know, as I look at this person, um, I see this person as a person who went from being a pipsqueak to being a prophet, from being a prophet to being a prisoner, and then from being a prisoner to being a prince. Um, and I think you know who this person is that I'm talking about. You know, that is not him, but that's a kind of a modern-day depiction of him. You know, it's the character, the person that we know as Joseph. Joseph from the Bible. And, and Joseph's story, you can encounter in the book of Genesis, particularly from Genesis chapter 37 through to Genesis chapter 50. Um, you know, he, he plays quite a a prominent role within those chapters right to, right to the end of the book. Um, and he falls within what we basically see as the second half of the book of Genesis, um, thematically speaking, you know, not physically speaking. You know, so normally the book of Genesis can be divided into two sections. The first 11 chapters is what um, theologians call primeval history or just simply what it is called ancient history. You know, because the word prime evil, you know, often sounds like the name that Meg was supposed to be the name of Megatron in Transformers, prime evil, you know. You know, that doesn't know what it means. It means ancient history. But in the, from Genesis chapter 12 onwards to Genesis chapter 50, we have what is called the patriarchal history of the Old Testament. The history of basically what you can call the founding fathers of the Jewish nation, the founding fathers of the Jewish faith. You know, and they are celebrated in, you know, many times when God had to remind his people, I'm the God of your father Abraham, who was the first one, the, the, the one to whom God made the promise that he's going to be the father of many. You know, and so his name, Abram, um, that means exalted father, was changed to Abraham, that means the father of many, you know, because that was the promise that God made him. So Abraham becomes the father of Isaac, you know, beside a few others, and Isaac becomes the father of Jacob, and Jacob is the father of this character that we encounter in Genesis chapter 37 through to 50, the person by the name of Joseph. 
um, who was part of a fairly large family, you know. Um, you know, in some of our backgrounds, I come out of a background like that, you know, where my father was part of a family of 16 brothers and sisters. You know, there were a rugby team and, uh, and one reserve. Um, you know, Joseph also came out of a, of a fairly large family, but he was, the, he was the second youngest of Jacob's sons, but the eldest of his favorite wife, Rachel. You know, and I think this picture helps to kind of give you an idea, you know, as to where Joseph found himself um, within this family, you know, and the, the dynamics that there was and, you know, some of the interesting things that they encountered, you know. So, so there's Jacob's family, family tree. You know, in fact, from this, you might be convinced that his surname was Zuma. Um, you know, because he had four wives, um, but unlike the other Zuma that we know, the Jacob that we know, you know, um, this one here only had 12 children, um, and, and he had, had a daughter, you know, this is the 12 sons that he had, um, and so we know Jacob actually married his cousins, you know, which was quite normal in, in the ancient world, he, he married his cousins, um, Leah and Rachel, he actually liked Rachel, you know, Rachel was kind of his favorite, and his eyes fell on her, and, you know, but, you know, he was then conned by, um, by um, his uncle, um, and so he ended up marrying Leah, and then, then got married to Rachel, and they had children, you know, from Leah, um, he had quite a few, few, few sons, um, but, you know, as was typical in those days, you know, by the lifestyles in which they lived, they also had concubines, and so Jacob had two com- concubines, um, Zopa and Boa, and, and that's how you get these 12 children that actually becomes the heads of what becomes known as the 12 tribes of Israel. And you can see over there, the one that looks like a monarch butterfly um, is Joseph, um, who is the eldest son of, of, of Rachel, Benjamin being, being, the, being the, the younger one. Um, and so, yes, indeed, Joseph... Um, being the favorite of his father, you know, it's not always a good thing to do that, you know, and I know that, you know, when you have siblings, you often feel that the way in which your parents treat the siblings, that they must be the favorite because of some things that they do, you know, but Joseph had a particular job. His job was to, to look after and tend his father's sheep. And at the age of 17, we discover that Joseph gets given a very special gift by his father. Um, you know, um, we, we, we call it a coat of many colors. You know, now, unfortunately, um, translating what that coat is, you know, from the original language which the Old Testament was written, is actually very difficult. It's very difficult to try and actually make out what that coat was all about. We know it was a special coat. In fact, it was about 300 years before the birth of Jesus that Jews who translated the Bible from Hebrew into Greek, um, came up with an idea that maybe the best way to translate, you know, what this coat is, the special tunic that his father had given him, is maybe to use a word that describes it as a coat that stands out and a coat of many colors. You know, so that's how it ended up becoming known as this coat of many colors. But it was a special coat. In fact, you know, if you translate it very literally, it might actually just mean a long coat that has got sleeves and that is very ornate, you know, but it becomes the coat of many colors, and that's the way in which we, in which we remember it. 
But we also discover that, that besides this thing, you know, which made Joseph's brothers very jealous of him. You know, the fact that here he was, you know, being set aside as this favorite um, of, his, um, of his father, his brothers became very jealous of him, even more so when they discover that Joseph was a dreamer. You know, he had dreams. But these weren't just ordinary dreams, you know, these were, these were dreams that were in some sense, prophetic dreams, you know, because it was dreams in which it became very clear to his family that he was talking about the future and what his place would be within the family. Now, you must understand there's always this picking order within families. You know, and within the ancient world, you know, the eldest son was always very important because he carried on the family name. You know, he became the patriarch after, after his father, when his father died. And the inheritance and, and everything actually fell upon him, including the blessing. But it's amazing to see how God, even in the story, and this is quite typical, you know, throughout the Bible, you know, that God doesn't work in the kind of order that we work. You know, that God sometimes reverses the order of things. And, you know, when you expect that it's going to be the elders that's going to be the standout, the one through whom God is going to work, God goes to the youngest. The same thing happened with David, you know. So you remember uh, the old story of David and how that worked out. And, and these, these dreams that Joseph had, um, when he shared it with his family, you know, they weren't very enthusiastic about, about these dreams. They actually despised him as a result of that. You know, and there were two dreams that stood out in particular, you know. Um, the one dream that he shared with him was, you know, they were out as a family, um, gathering the harvest, um, making, uh, turning the, the, the wheat into sheaves, and, you know, then something happened. You know, it was like animation that took place. You know, and all of a sudden, the sheave of Joseph stood up, while the sheaves of his parents and of his brothers all bowed down to him. You know, and the same thing, he had a dream about the sun and the moon representing his parents, his father and his mother, and, and stars, and all of them, the sun and the moon and the stars, bowed down to him. And so they, they said to him, you know, do you think that you are actually going to rule over us? Because they kind of understood what this, what this dream was all about. But nevertheless, you know, they, they did not like Joseph. Now, you must understand that they, they did not live in the way in which we lived. You know, they, they lived um, in tents in those days. You know, they were, they were always on a permanent camp. Um, you know, even today, if you go into the Middle East and you go into the rural areas of Israel, you'll discover there are still Bedouin people, you know, who live in tents and they move around. They have camels and sometimes they even have four-by-fours, you know, to um, modern-day camels, you know. Um, but but that, that is where they lived. And everybody normally has got their own particular responsibility. You know, and Joseph, as the youngest one, as we discovered earlier, he had to tend his father's sheep. And on one occasion, you know, while his brothers were, were away, we read the story of how when they saw him coming, you know, and maybe because of his technicolor dream coat, you know, as Andrew Lloyd Webber um, put it, um, they saw him coming from a distance, and then hate grew within their hearts. And they decided that they, that they must do something about this. Um, and they decide that when he arrives, that they may be going to kill him. They're going to get rid of him. Um, but, you know, the eldest brother, Reuben, um, convinces them that that's not the best thing to do. You know, they kind of throw him in the well to decide if eventually what his fate is going to be. 
you know, and then the darkness of that well, which is not a nice or well place to be in. Um, eventually they decide, let's sell him as a slave. Let's sell him to the Ishmaelites, you know, this caravan of Ishmaelites that was coming by, and they were on their way to, to Egypt. And that's what they do. They sell their brother into slavery. Now, this brings me to probably one of the most intriguing passages in the life of Joseph that I want to take us through this evening, which is in Genesis chapter 39. You know, and, and within this passage, you know, we, we now find Joseph arriving in Egypt. Okay, that's what it looks like today. Um, that's probably what it looked like in the day and age in which he was living in. In fact, that, come, that picture comes from Joseph's Instagram um, or Insta hieroglyphs or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, he, end, he, ends up as, um, he ends up in Egypt and he gets sold to a very, very important person by the name of Potiphar and he becomes his slave. And this is where we encounter Joseph in chapter 39. And I'm going to pause here um, as I read through this passage um, in a few places because I think there are some challenging life lessons concerning the life of Joseph that emerges out of this passage. Genesis chapter 39 from verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. You know, I, I, I like the way in which the, this is being described over here, you know, because um, when, you, when you read this passage, you must understand even in these verses, it's trying to explain how tragic, how hopeless the situation is for Joseph, because he's completely not in control as to what is happening to him. An Egyptian named Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him there. Now here comes this beautiful description as to you know, what I see as one of the most wonderful characteristics that could describe oneself when you even find yourself in a situation like this. And the Bible says, the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, serving in the household of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made everything that he did successful, um, Joseph found favor in his master's sight and became his personal attendant. Potiphar also put him in charge of his household and placed all that he owned under his authority. From that time on, he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, and the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house because of Joseph. Joseph's, um, the Lord's blessing was on all that he owned in his house and in his fields. He left all that he owned under Joseph's authority, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. So what we see within these first six chapters here is this first principle that I think is a very striking um, principle that comes out of the life of Joseph. You know, Joseph was recognized as this guy that had this very unique coat. He was this standout character. 
you know, because of that special um, Gucci, you know, coat thingy that he was that he was wearing. You know, that made his brothers jealous. But you know, even when that was taken away from him, and he ended up being nothing else but a slave, he ends up in the house of Potiphar, but he still becomes a standout person. He still becomes a standout character. It wasn't because of the clothes that he was wearing, but it was simply because of this, that the Lord was with him. And the Bible tells us, and the Bible makes it very clear, that people saw it. In fact, even Potiphar saw it. So, so what was it about Joseph, you know, that, 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 that was so special? It wasn't, it wasn't the outward appearance of of Joseph in terms of, you know, being this person who, who had worn the special garment. But it seemed as if Joseph, through his character, exhibited something that was very different from all of the other slaves. And I think therein lies a challenge for us. You know, because I think um, as people, and especially as young people, you know, we sometimes want to be, we want to stand out in some way, you know, and we want to kind of, you know, um, go with the crowd and, you know, do the kind of things that other people is doing um, in, in order to be accepted, you know. But, but Joseph didn't need that because he had the Lord's presence with him. The Lord was with Joseph and others sought. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be a wonderful um, testimony, you know, for, for, for us? That people, you know, when they look at us, they say, you know, there's something different about you. There's something, you know, sometimes they say, you know, we, we can't put our finger on it, but there's something really special about who you are. And that would always be wonderful if it is simply because that the Lord is with us. And isn't it wonderful that when the Lord is with us and others are bold enough to say, you know, it is because of who you serve and that indeed was the case with Joseph. But the story doesn't end there. You know, the story goes on from chapter 6 to verse 20. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. Um, in fact, I think through archaeological discoveries, they discovered that Joseph's email address was joseph at hotmail.com. Mm -hmm. mm. um. And after some time, <laughs> his master's wife looked longingly at Joseph and said, um, I think everybody is over 18, sleep with me. <laughs> yeah, this stuff is in the Bible, eh? goodness gracious. <laughs> but he refused and said to his master's wife, look. My master does not concern himself with anything in his house. And he has put all that he owns under my authority. No one in his house is greater than I am. He has withheld nothing from me except you. Because you are his wife. So how could I, listen to his answer. So how could I do such a great evil and sin against God? Although she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her. Now one day he went into the house to do his work. 
and none of the household servants was there. She grabbed him by his garment and said, Sleep with me. But leaving his garment in her hand, he escaped and ran outside. When she realized that he had left his garment with her and had run outside, she called the household servants, Look, now it becomes like a soap opera. Look, she said to them, My husband brought a Hebrew man to us to make fun of us. He came to me so he could sleep with me, and I screamed as loud as I could. When he heard me screaming for help, he left his garment with me and ran outside. She put Joseph's garment beside her until his master came home. Now it's just like a big conspiracy thing happening here. Then she told him the same story. The Hebrew slave you brought to us came to me to make fun of me. But when I screamed for help, he left his garment with me and ran outside. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, These are the things your slave did to me. He was furious and had him thrown into prison where the king's prisoners were confined. So Joseph was there in prison. Now when when Joseph ends up in prison, you know, and here you can see very clearly that just like what Joseph had experienced with his brothers, a great injustice being done to him, Joseph while doing his best to serve his master, to make absolutely certain, you know, that he does things to the best of his ability. You know, Joseph saw himself not just serving his master, but being a true reflection of the fact that the Lord was with him. But yet this thing happened to him. And so Joseph gets thrown into prison. But we are told something very, very intriguing. Verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him. He granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. The warden put all the prisoners who were in the prison under Joseph's authority and he was responsible for everything that was done there. The warden did not bother with anything under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him and the Lord made everything he did to be successful. So we can see here that the Lord was with Joseph, and Joseph knew it. And the prison, the prison God knew it. And when Joseph was there, and we see this in, 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 in um, what, we, what I've just read as we come towards the end of this chapter, that despite his circumstances, no matter what he went through, Even his circumstances couldn't overwhelm him because the Lord was with him. Now, you know, we can end off there and we can say, wow, you know, this is indeed um, really, really a challenge. But, you know, this very thing that happened to Joseph, this gift that God had given him, this this ability to be able to, to dream and to dream prophetically was something that comes back to him again, you know. Because here he finds himself, despite going through a great injustice, and he finds himself in what is maybe a prison that was worse than the one that he had originally been in. However, that is all within the plan of God. Because you see, as Joseph ends up in this prison, which is Pharaoh's prison, 
circumstances so happens that one day Pharaoh gets very upset with two people serving him, namely his baker and his cupbearer. You know, they had spoiled his lunch or something. You know, they didn't, did something wrong, you know. Um, instead of making good eggs, you know, they burnt the scramble eggs and stuff like that, you know. So, so Pharaoh is unhappy, and, and he sends them to prison. And while in prison, the baker and the cupbearer have dreams. And they discover that Joseph has the ability to interpret those dreams, and he interprets those dreams. Now, for one, the, dream, the interpretation is not very good. For the other one, it is. You know, but Joseph says to them, you know, when you get back you know, to your master, please remember me. And that's exactly what happens. Now, now it takes a while. You know, so Joseph was about 17, you know, when his father gave him this coat and he was sold into Egypt. By now, they work out that Joseph could have been about 30 years old. So Joseph had been there for quite a time. And so there's Joseph um, interpreting the dreams that the cupbearer and that the, and that the baker has. Um, and eventually, they are freed. Um, the one dies and the others don't, other one don't. But Pharaoh then has dreams. And Pharaoh has this intriguing dream about seven lean cows and seven fat cows, and this dream troubles him. And one day, the servant comes to him and says to him, you know, when I was in prison, there was this guy, you know, he's able to interpret dreams. And Joseph gets brought um, to Pharaoh, and he's able to interpret his dream. And because of that interpretation of the dream, Joseph becomes... <laughs> The prince of Egypt, you know. Joseph gets put into um, a, a position of prominence, you know. But you must understand what is happening within the story, and I'm sure you know the story very well. The reason why Joseph comes into this position is because of his family. Because you see, while things um, were of such a nature that Joseph was, through the interpretation of the dream, you know, to, to say that there's going to be seven years of plenty. So please make sure, Pharaoh, that you store up enough grain because after that seven years of plenty, there's going to be seven years of famine. And it is during that time of famine that Joseph's brothers eventually decide that they are going to come and visit, visit Egypt um, because they heard, you know, that they had made provision. And they don't recognize him, you know, because many, many years have now passed. In fact, some people say that Joseph was maybe 40 by the time um, that, this, that, that, this, that this particular scenario plays out. And so Joseph eventually, um, through you know, a back and forth, reveals his identity to his family, um, and he's able to rescue them. He's able to supply them with the goods that they need. Now, now those who study the life of Joseph... See in Joseph, you know, the fact that he was able to save his family, they see in Joseph what we call a type of Christ. Meaning that, you know, just like, just like, um, like Jesus, you know, we know that God sent his only son, Jesus, into this world to save us from, from our sins. Um, they see G Joseph's life as foreshadowing that story. Um, and indeed, I think that that is a, a legitimate way um, of, of, of looking at it. But as we, as we come to an end, I want us to reflect on that, and I want us to think about that, and to think about ourselves, you know, where we find ourselves, the situation, um, where we are, the place in which God has placed us. 
you know, within our families, within our community, amongst our friends, um, etc., etc. And I think the question that I want to leave us with, with is this. Can others see that the Lord is with me? When I'm faced with the kind of temptation, and there are many temptations that we face today. You know, for, 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 for Joseph, it was a sexual temptation. You know, but we know that there are so many other things, you know, that, um, that is out there that, that, that can tempt us. You know, in, in my day when I was growing up, they say, you know, it was um, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, you know. But there are many other things, and it's, and it's all out there, and it's, and it's presenting itself, you know, to us as things that will, um, that will tempt and take us away from God. But, but are we able, you know, to preserve that and to know that no matter where we find ourselves, God is actually there? Because that was Joseph's response. You know, how can I sin against God? And so that no matter what the circumstances are that we find ourselves in, but to be like Joseph and through the way in which we respond, you know, because Joseph could have sunken into a pity party situation, but Joseph does not. He just continues in the way that he had done before, so much so that the jailer and everyone else is able to see that the Lord is with him. Is the Lord with you? You know, I would pray that the Lord would give us the strength to be able to, through the life of Joseph and what he was able to accomplish, that we are able to do the same. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, we want to thank you for the life of Joseph. And as we have taken a look at some of these events in his life and the experiences that he went through, we know that there are many times that we feel like him, that we experience the, the injustices that happens around us and the circumstances that seem to hold us back. But we want to thank you that you were with him. And we know that as we have committed our lives to you, that you are also with us. And we want to pray that we might be able to live lives that, that demonstrate, that reflect, that shines forth that reality, that Jesus is with us. And so as we commit ourselves to you, we want to pray that you might give us that assurance, but that you might also give us the strength and give us the ability that we might be able to serve you with everything that we have.